Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So glad that you've decided to worship with us today. And uh, it is so awesome to be in the presence of God together. I don't know about you, but I look forward to these moments all week long. Uh, There is hardly anything that can replace the presence of God. And if you're watching online, I I hope and I trust that you sense the presence of the Lord. And if you're here with us today uh, for the first time, we're just so glad that you're here. If you're watching online for the first time or here with us uh, for the first time at our Apex campus or at our East Raleigh campus, we're just glad that you're here. Just grab that purple U card and fill that bad boy out and take it to the lobby on your way out today. We have a gift for you. If you're online, you can go to focus.church slash U. And uh, as a matter of fact, you could even grab your phone and you could scan this little code and they'll allow you to uh, get to our connection card pretty quickly. Uh, So glad that you're here. I've had the privilege of serving on the Next Generation Cohort for the Pentecostal Charismatic Churches of North America. I know that that's a mouthful. Uh, I serve as the representative for the under 40 ministers of the Assemblies of God. And um, we have been on a journey studying American church history, and I've had the privilege and honor to be able to go to several places of revival, including Azusa Street there in Los Angeles, California, where William Seymour in 1906, I mean, this was during uh, uh, the, the Spanish flu was there, and they were still, I mean, packing places out. And uh, it was awesome to be uh, in the actual location where the, the, the church was birthed in America. A lot of Pentecostal denominations come out of that. And then uh, I've also been able to visit the, the Mason uh, Temple, which is the headquarters for the Church of God in Christ in Memphis, Tennessee. That's a picture of, of me right outside the world headquarters of uh, the Church of God in Christ in Memphis, Tennessee. And this is important because um, this is the actual church where uh, Dr. Martin Luther King gave his final speech the day before he was assassinated. And I stood behind the very pulpit that Dr. King stood behind and he gave his final speech and that final speech, uh, it's incredible. And I wish we could play the whole thing, but we're just gonna play a a little piece and it's called, I've been to the mountaintop. So I want you to take a look at the screens. Take a look at this video. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything i'm not fearing any man mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the lord 
So I've had the privilege of being right there in that building uh, where he gave his final speech. The very next day, he was assassinated and killed. But he said, I've been to the promised land. I'm not worried. And so I know we have a lot more work to do when it comes to civil rights, but I'm grateful that we can share the same water fountain and share the same restroom uh, at least. I know we have a lot more work to do. But tomorrow, as you uh, try to go to the bank and it's closed, just know why. Because there was a man who pushed back on some of the civil liberties that were being oppressed for our black brothers and sisters. And uh, just, just wanted to make sure that we honor Dr. King and acknowledge that we know we still got more work to do. Amen? Amen. If you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to be in 1 Peter. 1 Peter. His name started out as Simon. It was later changed to The Rock. Not like The Rock, The Wrestler. I know what you're thinking. This is the original Rock, which translates into Petra, which was a Christian band. If you don't know nothing about Petra, the rock band, you're not really saved. There's layers of heaven. And if you don't know about Petra, then you're going to be at a lower level. So I suggest you go home today, YouTube Petra. Um, It was awesome Christian rock band, like old school, like, you know, hardcore rock on type thing. My mom wouldn't let me listen to it, that that kind of rock and roll. Um, But a Christian rock named Petra. But his first name was, was Simon, and then it was later changed um, to Petra, which translates to Peter. And he was called to go beyond the borders of the wider Roman world. And he's writing this to be in circulation. This book is meant to be in circulation to multiple churches. And he didn't actually pen the letter. He just composed it and someone else wrote it for him. And he commissioned it actually and didn't compose it. But he was in Rome when he wrote this. And I, I feel like it's so appropriate as we dive into our second week of our series titled Citizen, that we look at the scriptures and see what they were going, dealing with, because I believe that uh, there's like so much relevant content when it comes to political oppression or feeling like you don't fit in, feeling like you, you, you're not on one side or the other or one extreme or the other. There's like some serious um, kingdom-mindedness that we're going to explore today that I think is healthy for all of us to not get caught uh, just being an American, but first being a citizen of heaven, as we talked about last week. And so First Peter in the second chapter, going to read four verses, beginning in verse 8. He says, in the, he says this, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He says, and he is the stone that makes people stumble, the, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Verse 9, these first kind of six words are, in in my opinion, the, the key verse, the key phrase for today. If you're highlighting or circling in your Bible, these would be the six words that I would circle. Verse 9, it says, But you are not like that. But you are not like that. Remember, he's writing to the church. He's writing to people who who are dealing with persecution, who are dealing with suffering, who are dealing with trying to figure out how they're going to continue to live their life while everyone else around them is trying to pressure them to not live that life, trying to get them to conform to the patterns of this world. And he says these six very powerful words that I think we could embrace as the church today. And he says, but you are not like that. 
Oh, there's been lies spoken over you. There's been uh, a mold that you've been trying to fit in. And I just came to preach God's word to you today from the, from the mouth of Peter, from the pen of Peter to say, but you are not like that. We are not like that. You are not like that. I know that your, your, your father passed down that generational curse, but you are not like that. I know you feel like it's in your DNA, but you are not like that. I know you feel like you have to fit in one side or the other or one box or the other. But Peter says, you are not like that. He says, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Oh, you're not a Trump people. You're not a Biden people. You are God's people. Oh, I don't don't know about you, but I would rather be God's people than anybody else's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. Peter preaching to us today. I ain't even preaching. This is Peter preaching. These are the words in the Bible. I am not adding to or removing from. I'm just straight reading these verses. And they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Let us pray. Father, if we have grown comfortable in calling this earth our home, shake us up today. If we have accepted the life that we have, show us a glimpse of your preferred future for us. If we have bought into any lies of the enemy this week, help us replace those lies with a truth that can only come from you. In Jesus' name, amen. As a parent, I have been able to witness the cultural power of sending my children to a sleepover. They come back a different person. And I have yet to send any of my children to college, but as I've been reading and researching on what happens to uh, a child's behavior when they get sent off to a place that they are no longer under the kind of covering of a parent, uh, it changes them rather quickly. And I don't know about you, but my kids have gone to sleepovers and come back a totally different person. <laughs> and I said, who is this? 
and where did you put my child? As a matter of fact, it's even happening, I think, at a more accelerated rate these days because of the internet and because of the influence that uh, screens and, and videos and, and, and FaceTime calls and my son plays uh, video games with all of his friends and he starts saying things that I don't even know what he's saying. Like, not cussing, but kind of cussing because I don't know, understand it. It could be cussing because I don't know what bet means. Bet, bet, bet. Like, what's bet? I've never said bet before. I said cool, you know. Far out, I've heard all those, but what is bet? He said, bet, bet, always bet. Like, what is that? Is that B-E-T? Does that stand for something that I do not know? It's interesting how you will become influenced by the environment that you are around. And a lot of times it takes someone who is outside of that environment to remind you that that's not who you are. Right, like it's sometimes you're so consumed by the forest, it takes someone from the outside to remind you about the trees. Like you're so enamored with language, you're so enamored with culture, you're so enamored with whatever atmosphere that you're in, you actually become a fabric, a part of the the society or the place that you've surrounded yourself with. And, and my kids come back with 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 words and 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 things that they didn't learn from from me. They learned them from somewhere else. And what people Peter is trying to convince the churches of is to be careful when you go to a, a sleepover in culture, when you go to a sleepover in the world, to, to, to make sure that your language and vocabulary stays that one of the ones that we taught you because you are not a citizen of earth. So if you're talking with earthly language, you have to understand, I have to remind you that you're a citizen of heaven. You are not like that. Who are you and what did you do with my child? And what Peter is trying to remind them is that you are now not no longer a part of this world, but you are a part of the family of God. And as a part of this family, we talk differently than the rest of the world. And, and I, I, I see Peter trying to convince them of their new identity because he has to remind them that they don't need to speak the way that everyone else around Rome speaks. They don't have to live the way everyone else around Rome lives, but they can live as citizens of heaven. And so my job today is to remind you of the language that we are meant to use as kingdom citizens. And, and the people here that he's writing to would have known that their ancestors had gone through a massive exodus and they had been freed from 400 years of slavery. And what he was reminding them of is that there was a new wave of freedom. It came through Jesus. And that they had to be reminded of, that. you know, the, the people of God that came out of Exodus had to be reminded that they were no longer slaves. You don't have to build bricks anymore. You can, you'll be free. I've been to the mountaintop, as, as what Dr. King said. I've seen the promised land. They had to be reminded of the promised land in the Old Testament. And what Peter is doing is he's reminding them of the new covenant of the New Testament. He's reminding them that their identity is now found in Jesus. And so if I have one job today, it's to remind you of the new covenant that's been established in Jesus, and you don't have to live that way. You don't have to conform to the patterns of this world. You don't have to conform to the, to, the, to the polarizing feeling that you feel right now during this tension that we're experiencing here on earth. You don't have to feel that because you are not a part of the earthly family. You are a part of God's family. You are not like that. I love, I love that. If you, if you were to just take notes, it's like 
That's so simple. That was the very first verse in verse 9. That was the very first. But Peter's just laying it out. You're not like that. That's not like you. When you see those things on Facebook, when you see those things on the news, it's like, you are not like that. You are not like that. And sometimes it's like so obvious, but yet so powerful and so simple, but so profound because we've embraced the identity of our current environment instead of embracing the identity of our Heavenly Father. And so as your pastor and as the head of this house, I'm just here to remind you, you are not like that. <laughs> those things that you see, those extremes that you see, those extremes on either side, you're not like that. We are not like that. We will not be that way. You are not like that. You are not like that. Why? Because you are a child of God. God is inviting them to a new family, a, a, a new world reborn by God's love. They are people of a new covenant, a new exodus. And what he's telling him is because of the blood of Jesus and because of Jesus, you are no longer like that. So how do we deal with no longer being like that? The first step is this, is to not adopt the accent. Don't adopt the accent. <laughs> I've lived overseas. I've heard of many act. I've lived in in places in, in, in America that felt like they were overseas with many accents. I've lived in rural America where you have to listen real hard, real, real hard. And what happens is the longer you're around an environment, the, the, the accent changes. I watched a video um, that they did when I was doing my research on accents where they took Madonna uh, over time. <laughs> praise God. She's been alive a long time. Um, and they, they, they followed her accent on how she went from being um, uh, like full-blown like punk rock accent all the way to almost British sounding in the later years. And they, they, they had all these interview clips and they were going back and forth analyzing her accent over time. And that's what happens. The longer you're in a certain environment, the accent attaches itself to you. And when that accent attaches itself to you, you can subconsciously begin to mimic that accent. I spend some time uh, in the woods with some guys from Johnson County, and <laughs> it's very easy. Shout out to my Joko people. It's very easy to adopt that accent. There's about 30 of us. We spend some time in the woods on Saturdays as a part of a, a, a I don't like calling it hunting because PETA will come after me, as a part of a harvesting club where we harvest animals for food. And when, when you hear them over the radio, you have to really lean in because they've changed their, their lingo. Their language has changed. And so they'll be like, hey, we're going to go around there. We're going to go to the red gate and over the field. We're going to be over there. And you're going to turn out them dogs over on that corner. And when you're, and so when I, I have to really try hard to listen in because, because I have to understand. They're, they're a part of a, an, they have an accent. Now, I hang out with another group of guys when we play ball down here. And, and, and this group of guys is almost the complete opposite from the guys. I spend Saturday mornings with my Joko friends, and then I spend Saturday nights with my friends that we play basketball. And even then, I have to, I have to really lean in to understand. There's lingo and language, some of it inappropriate, some of it when you get fouled, you know, your flesh comes out. And so I have to really lean into the accent. And, and what, if I'm not careful... I'll go home with the accent of where I was at. And so on Saturday morning, I come home for lunch, and I'll be like, hey, honey, what's for lunch, you know? <laughs> and then on Saturday nights, I'll be like, yo, what's for lunch? What's for dinner? 
Why? Because the environment dictates my accent. And if, if you're not careful, as a matter of fact, it, 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 it's called supreme subconscious accent mimic is what the, the, the term is called. Basically, by imitating another person's gestures, body position, head tilt, voice modulation, and accent, you're trying to make yourself look like them. Hence why it shows up a lot in college students who are trying to build their new and own social circles. Subconscious accents shifts Tends, tends to, in most people to be in response to the accents they're hearing around them. But there's another type, and it's called foreign accent syndrome, in which a person encounters some kind of traumatic brain injury that suddenly begins to talk in what sounds like another accent altogether. And so some of it comes by just being in the environment, and then sometimes there's a traumatic experience that keeps you locked into that certain language. So I don't know what happened to you as a child. I don't know what traumatic event took place to you. I don't know how your dad treated you. I don't know how your stepfather treated you. I don't know how they treated you. But if it changed your accent, eventually it will make its way to your mind. And if it's made its way to your mind, eventually it'll make its way to your heart. So if you don't adopt the accent, then it'll never make its way to your mind. Oh, I came to preach to someone today who sounds a little country after hanging out with all them country folk. I want to let you know you don't have to adopt the accent. You are a citizen of heaven, and you can have the language of the Father where he delights himself in you. He loves you as a son. He loves you as a daughter. And if there was a traumatic event in your past, you don't have to embrace that accent either. He says... You're a, you're, a fan, you're a part of the family of God. And so it, it's very important, even in, even in the first chapter of 1 Peter, it says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. And he's saying, that's not you. You didn't know any better. You know? But now you must be holy in everything that you do. Just as God chose you, who chose you, is holy. I don't want to speak like the world. I don't want to speak in the language of earth. I want to learn the linguistics of heaven. I want to speak in the accent of my father. I want to speak in the accent with the word that's been deep down into my heart. If I have hidden his word in my heart, then only what comes out of my mouth will be what was in my heart. And so I want to be fluent in the language of the Father. You know, what's interesting is whenever you start to speak a different language, it'll start to really hurt your head. I spent a lot of time interpreting messages for my father, interpreting sermons, interpreting Bible classes. Uh, when I lived in Spain, I was, I mean, interpretation was basically my side hustle. When I was a teenager, that's what I would do is there would be missionaries that came in that didn't know the language and I would interpret for them. And at the end of the day, though I just stood there and, and mimicked the speaker, my brain would be so fried because I had spent all day computing and translating and interpreting one language to another. And, and, and I want to make sure that you know that your vocabulary is so important because it will either exhaust you or it will fulfill you. 
And I don't know what you've been speaking over you or what you've been speaking into the atmosphere, but much as Peter tried to correct this church, these churches, I want to let you know that your vocabulary, your vocabulary is so powerful. There's power in the tongue, the Bible says. It has the ability to uplift or to tear down. I, I would consider people's vocabulary much like an elevator. An elevator is not functioning if it doesn't go anywhere. But an elevator, unless, you, unless you're in Willy Wonka, an elevator goes up and down. Most elevators. The Willy Wonka elevator, it, it went... It, it, some of these kids don't know about Willy Wonka, but that's what happens when you have ADD. Start talking about Willy Wonka in the middle of your sermon. Help me, Jesus. What will, what will happen is, is you'll either take you up or take you down. And you've been around those people. You might be those people that when someone comes around you, it goes down. And you leave, you leave like defeated and deflated. But I want our vocabulary to be one of victory. I want our vocabulary to be one, not of doomsday, not of, oh, my goodness, look at this country. You ever met those people? Oh, my God. We're not going to make a get food for three weeks. Get stock up right now, right? It's like, no, no, no. I am going to be victorious with my vocabulary because if I can declare in the atmosphere the good things of God, if I could preach with, with, with positivity, not, 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 like, not, like a, not, like a, not like a motivational speaker, but instead the language of heaven. That, 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 that our Father knows how to give good gifts. That we are going to be victorious. That I am more than a conqueror because I am in Christ Jesus. My vocabulary will be that of victory. If you need to write down that, you can write that. My vocabulary will be that of victory. I'm not going to talk about defeat. I'm not going to embrace defeat. I'm not going to wake up defeated. I'm going to wake up victorious. I'm going to make sure that my mind is set on things above and not on things below. So don't adopt the accent. Also, don't accept the ancestry. Don't accept the ancestry. Verse 10 says, Once you had no identity as people, but now you are God's people. Don't accept the ancestry. We just went through a process as a staff. And um, we were at the beach for a couple days and we went through a restoring the foundations curriculum that brings about freedom and healing for uh, people with deep wounds in their soul. And one of the things that we did, one of the exercises that we went through as a pastoral staff was we forgave the sins of our ancestors and we released any curse that came into our current generation. It's a very powerful week. We, we're fired up. We came back like from camp. And one of the most powerful things that we've done is we've reestablished our family line to no longer embrace the curse that might have been passed down to us intentionally or unintentionally. You have the power to break down anything that has been spoken over you or that was a pattern of the, your father, the sins of your father. That's why you, you don't accept the, the, the ancestry. Oh, my dad was just an alcoholic. That's why I'm going to be an alcoholic. I, I declare that, first of all, your vocabulary should be for, for victory. Second of all, don't accept the ancestry of the sins of your father. I break those off of you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As a matter of fact, I was looking in at Ancestry.com. Has anyone ever done an Ancestry.com? Like a, looking up your family tree, where you came from? 
I haven't done it, but I probably should. It would be interesting. It's very interesting. But be careful to not accept that as your spiritual reality, right? It's interesting to know where your forefathers came from and, oh, I'm, I'm you know, 2% this and 89% this and all that. That's all fine. But don't accept their identity, right? It, it, it's, it's interesting because I was looking at the cost. It's very expensive to do one of these things. It's like very expensive. And, and this is what it says. It says the, the ancestry cost for Ancestry.com is, is a cost of convenience because they've created their own name searchable indexes and, and transcriptions and a database at great man hour expenses. And even, even they've gone overseas and done offshore research on your name, on your database, on your DNA. And, and, and here's the deal. If you spend all your time on Ancestry.com here on earth and not on Ancestry.com in heaven, you will end up with a limited view of what your potential is because you'll only think about yourself as someone here on earth. But I came to declare that you are a citizen of heaven. And so if you were going to look up your ancestry, get in the word. Because you'll find that in the bloodline of Jesus are great heroes of the faith. You'll find that you are covered by the blood of Jesus. You'll find that from the house of David comes your bloodline. And you are blessed and highly favored. You are 100% blessed. You might think, oh, I'm 50% you know, Irish and 20% Welsh and all this stuff. Welsh is grape juice. Welsh, you know. You, you are, I don't know where you came from here on earth. But I know that God sent me to declare your ancestry in heaven. And that is more important than your ancestry here on earth. Is it interesting to know that, you know, your dad was, you know, your dad's dad, dad's dad was one of the vice presidents. Cool, that's awesome. But you come from royalty. <laughs> the lineage of heaven is kingdom driven and you are a child of King Jesus. So walk around like royalty. As a matter of fact, I got some declarations for you. It's, it, it, here, here, here's here's the, the four declarations that, that Peter gives them. First of all, you are chosen. You can write this down in your notes. You are chosen. You are chosen. And so here's what you have to do. You have to replace rejection with chosen. Like if some of you have been rejected, you need to replace that rejection with I am chosen. If you've been rejected as a child, if you felt neglected or rejected, you need to cancel that. Cancel that thought and say, I am no longer rejected. I am chosen. I know it's hard for you to believe because you've been rejected your whole life. Ever since you were a kid, you know, your parents left you, you know, out to dry. You felt neglected. You are no longer rejected. You are chosen. Why? Because I know that your ancestry comes from the word and the word says you are chosen. So I am going to replace any thought of rejection with the identity of being chosen. Replace it. Replace it in Jesus' name. Replace the thought that you weren't picked, that you weren't chosen, with the thought that I am chosen. And I was chosen before I even made my first mistake or before I ever had my first success. I'm chosen regardless. You came into this world chosen. It, it could have gone a lot of other ways, but you made it here. So I replace rejection with being chosen in Jesus' name over everyone's life. Everyone at Apex, everyone online, you are no longer rejected. You are chosen. Mm. The next thing is this, is you are royalty. You are royalty. Some of the ladies already know. You walk around like you are royalty. 
you're in your robe. You might be in a studio apartment, but you're wearing a robe, you know? You might have 50 cents in your bank account, but you're wearing a robe. <laughs> Why? Because you're believing that you are royalty. It's important that you understand that you are royalty. Husbands, treat your wife like they are royalty. Every, every, and, and, and wives, treat your husband as though they are royalty. It, it's been said that every man has a king and every man has a fool. If you speak to the fool, the fool is what you get. If you speak to the king, the king is what you'll get. Speak to the king because you have to speak in royalty. Here's what you need. You need to replace simple. Replace simple with royal. Oh, I'm just going to always be kind of mediocre, average. No, 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 no. You need to replace that simple thinking with royal thinking. You are, you are not a peasant. You are not at the bottom of the barrel. You are a royal priesthood, chosen and royal. Is this helping anyone today in the comment section? I just hope that I'm declaring truce over your life. The third thing is this, is you are holy. You are holy. Mm, hard to believe sometimes. With these stained hands, you know what these hands are capable of? You know what this mind is capable of? A lot of evil, a lot of impurities. But guess what? The Bible says you are holy. And it's sometimes hard to believe. But you are holy. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what Christ did on the cross. And because that's what we are. We're kingdom citizens. If we are chosen and we are royal, we are also holy. Very hard to believe this. Sometimes it's very, knowing what you know about yourself, it's hard to believe that you are holy. But I'm going to declare that you're going to replace impure with holy. I'm unworthy. I'm so dirty. I can't help it. I just, if you knew, Pastor Mike, what I'm capable of, what I've thought about and what I've done, I, I cancel those thoughts. And I declare holiness and purity and righteousness, not because you've achieved something, but because Christ achieved something on the cross. It's a holy church. We're a holy people. You are holy church. Oh, God, let me remind you. Even though we were sinners and we were lost, if you've been accepted by the King, by the Father, by Jesus, you are holy. Cancel those impure thoughts. Cancel that feeling of unworthiness. The last thing is this, is that you are God's possession. He says we are God's own possession. Oh, do you know what it means like? Do you know what it means to be God's property? Owned outright by God? <laughs> like, do you know what it means for God to delight himself in you? He dances over you. When, he, when you wake up, he was already awake staring at you. Like when, when, when he, you are his prized possession. You weren't an afterthought. You weren't made in a factory, some mold. You are his own possession today. You need to be reminded of who owns you. You're no, it continues to say, you're no longer slaves to anyone here on earth, but you are slaves to God. You are slaves to Christ. And he owns you, but not in a demeaning way where you would think slavery, but instead in a delightful way where you would think a father loves their child. But if you've never been loved by your earthly father, it's hard for you to embrace the love of your heavenly father. So I have to remind you, that you are not of this world. You are not that. That is not who you are. 
but you are God's possession. Owned by God. Whew. No price tag for anyone here on earth to buy you or to label you or to limit you or to box you in, but instead God's own possession. And that right there, that's kingdom living. That's kingdom mindset. Nothing here on earth can buy me out, but instead I am God's possession. So what do we replace? Well, we need to replace abandoned with possession. If you were abandoned here on earth, you are owned by God now. You are not alone. Someone bought you with a price, and his name is Jesus when he died on the cross. You weren't abandoned. You're not alone. I know it feels lonely, but you're not alone. This is helping you today. John, you could begin to play. I, I, I really wish that Peter would have stopped right there. Don't you, don't you, I love it when the word is declaring freedom over me. <laughs> this next part is tough. And I saved it for last because I want to make sure you know where your identity is first. And you know that we are citizens of heaven. Peter goes through this long journey about telling you who you are, whose you are. And then he gets to this place. And this will be tough for some and easy for others. And I'll close with this. I shouldn't close with this. I should close with like, you know, really encouraging you, but I want to make sure I'm true to the text. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, And for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. <laughs> I really didn't want to read this, but I would, be, I would be disobedient to the text if I didn't read all the way through. Whether the king, whether the king as head of state or officials, he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. And it's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom. <laughs> Don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Wow. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. Let me just read those last two verses one more time. I know. For you are free, you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. He went through all that to tell them they were, they were, they were, they were, they were not earthly people. They were holy and righteous and, and chosen. And, and, but then he goes... No, 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 no. Don't let the freedom I just declared over you be an excuse for you to do whatever you want and say whatever you want. He says, fear God and respect the king. And let me tell you right now, the kings that we have here in America can sometimes make it very challenging to respect. But we, as a people of God, 
are going to follow what God's word says. We are not going to slander or be evil, but instead we will fear God and respect the king. So in the next couple days, I know (laughs) it's going to be some challenging thoughts that you're going to have about our current king or the next king. I want to remind you to fear God and respect the king. I had to be obedient to the text because if not, you'll just, as a citizen of heaven, you'll claim that you can slander anyone here on earth. But it says in the same chapter to submit to all earthly authority. It's very important. And trust me, it's challenging even for me. It's challenging. But I must do what the Bible says, not what I feel. If I, if I, if I only did what I felt, I'd be living in sin at a, at a rate that would, that would disqualify me from being the pastor here. But I live in accordance to God's will and God's word instead of how I feel. And so when something shows up on your news feed that makes you feel like you could disrespect someone that is in office, I just want to remind you, fear God and respect the king. Respect the king that's currently in office. Respect the next king that's coming into office. As challenging as it may be, that is not our identity. We will do what uh, First Peter says. We will fear God and we will respect the king. You don't have to become an advocate for them. You don't have to wave a flag. You don't have to, to, to be uh, pro anything. But you need to respect the king. And I know that that's challenging because I know it's challenging for me. It's challenging for me sometimes to kind of comprehend what all is going on here on earth. So all I have to do is say, God, I submit to the authority that you have allowed in office. And I will be a chosen person, a royal person, a holy person, and your possession. I will be a chosen person, a holy person, a royal person, and your possession. And everything else, I'll let you work it out. I don't think he's as worried about the election as you are. I think he's more worried about you than you are about the election. You're chosen, you're holy, you're royal, and you're God's possession today. And I declare that over your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we are your people. Thank you for purchasing us. Thank you for purchasing us through the cross. Maybe you came in here today and you don't know Jesus and you say, I need to know the Lord. I need to know the Father. I don't know this citizenship that you speak of. I want to give you an opportunity right now. Everyone at the sound of my voice, everyone watching online, everyone tuning in, everyone at our Apex campus with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one moving or leaving, just for a a brief moment, if you were to say, I want citizenship in heaven. I've tried here on earth and it hasn't satisfied me. I want to let you know you are chosen by God. If that's you and you want to receive salvation, that only can come through Jesus Christ. Would you just slip your hand up here at both of our locations today? And those watching online, just say, that's me in the comment section. If that's you today, you want to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, just raise your hand. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else makes it worth it. Thank you, Jesus. 
for the sake of those that just raised their hand at both of our campuses and those online. Would you repeat after me? Say, Father God. Come on, say, Father God, thank you for saving me from my sin. Thank you for making me a citizen of heaven. I am chosen, I am royal, I am holy, and I am your possession. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for God's word today. Thanks again for joining us, and thank you to those who give generously to make the ministry possible. You can click the link in our description to give now or visit givetofocus.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, and while you're at it, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at MyFocusChurch. We'd love to hear how God is speaking to you.